Up next is a daily devotional by Pastor Tim Dodson, pastor of Believer's Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Subscribe to our podcast by visiting burningdogradio.com and clicking on subscribe. Thanks for listening to Burning Dog Radio. We're working our way through the Gospel of John, and we're currently in chapter 20. And we're going to be picking it up today in verse 22. Now, John 20, verse 22 plays out in that upper room after Jesus had now been resurrected uh, post-crucifixion. And he is appearing now to his apostles for the first time as a group uh, after he was resurrected. In verse 22, we pick it up and we read, When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now this verse actually tells us a lot, a lot more than what it appears on the surface. One, contrary to popular belief, the Holy Spirit was not first introduced to the believers in the book of Acts. Secondly, it was Jesus who gave the Spirit to them. And thirdly, it disputes the false oneness doctrine that there's no Trinity, that there's no triune Godhead. Because in verse 21, it says that God sent out Jesus. Verse 22 says Jesus gave the Holy Spirit. So all three were present together here in these two verses. The ministry they were being called to, the apostles and the disciples and the followers there in that room, would necessitate a power that would be beyond their own, abilities beyond themselves, and Jesus knew this. Now, we need to know this. He did not call us to suck it up and get out there. He actually provided what we need in instruction, in direction, in salvation, reformation, in his holy word, and now the Holy Spirit to work his will and plan through us. Now, once again, this can be a rather difficult text because many of us have always understood that the Holy Spirit did not come until the book of Acts. In fact, many will cite such scriptures as Luke 24:49, uh, that which was given just before Christ's ascension. And it says there, Jesus speaking, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with the power from on high. We need to do, or maybe we would say we would be better to understand, rather that the Holy Spirit is given, first of all, to meet the calling and the need of the moment. I mean, what's the greatest gift it is commonly said? Well, whatever gift is needed at that moment. So you see, there's no doubt that what they needed right there and at that moment was the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, that empowering of the Holy Spirit, if if we look at our lives in its totality, certainly is not a one-time event. Now, I, I want to mention before we move on that there is another view because it uh, bears mentioning. And that is that now, at this point in the storyline, post-crucifixion, post-resurrection, that this moment there in that upper room was essentially the apostles, well, we could say salvation experience. And if that is essentially the case, thus, this was the coming of the Holy Spirit in salvation, uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit in eternal presence, Uh, that which comes to us upon our redemption. And then that subsequent upper room outpouring in Acts, well, that was then the Holy Spirit coming in empowerment. 
to actually live out the calling and mission that God has. The power to possess and to transform, not not just inwardly, but outwardly in service and action. Now, that being said, am I suggesting then a secondary experience, one that is post-salvation? Yes, I am. Now, many of us, for many of us rather, the Holy Spirit came as a guarantee upon the salvation experience. But let's face it, it was later for so many of us, including this pastor, that invited the Holy Spirit in to empower them for their calling, to sanctify them, if you will, for the mission and the calling of their lives. Verse 23, it says, If you forgive anyone's sins, they have been forgiven them. If you retain anyone's sins, they have been retained. Again, this is Jesus speaking to the Uh, disciples there in that room and speaking some very profound uh, words. I mean, let's let's face it, we read it and we can't help but wonder what exactly is he saying? What is occurring here? I mean, who were the disciples here in given the power to forgive sins? You know, aka the new priesthood a la Catholicism? No, the Pharisees had previously claimed that only God can forgive sins, and you know what? They were absolutely right. The disciples, however, could declare the set criteria for salvation. They could declare the forgiveness of sin, or or rather the criteria for that, because that had already been given by Christ. They could even declare sins forgiven upon a person's salvation. But let's face it, they didn't die upon the cross, and they had not been resurrected, and they weren't offered up as a substitute offering. Thus, they didn't have, nor could they have, nor could anyone have, the authority to pull off more than that. They, and we, are merely ambassadors here. We don't make the decisions, we just deliver them. These disciples couldn't exonerate people of sin, But they, as ambassadors, could indeed proclaim sin to be forgiven. Pastor John Corson said the following. He said, Therefore, to the one who says, I don't feel forgiven, it is our responsibility to say, Well, according to the word of God, if you open your heart to Jesus Christ and believe in his work on the cross, your sin is gone. Conversely, to the one who says, I don't need Jesus Christ, I'm into meditation. Well, it's our responsibility also to say, Your sin remains, because only the blood of Jesus can wash it away. Now, the stark fact is, as a pastor, I'm here to speak the words of God. And by doing so, I intend to do one of two things. To either establish a person's redemption, or clearly establish their guilt. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. To learn more about Tim Dodson or Believer's Church, visit jfbelievers.com.